0: Hi, everyone. I'm coming back to add this into the beginning of the podcast um, after I finished recording. The recording did go a little longer than I anticipated, but I really think it's important to cover this topic um, all at one time so that we're not, you know, segmenting it. So I appreciate everybody hanging in there. Um, Thank you so much. And if you do think that this is not something that's important for someone to hear, please make sure that you're sharing um, either the video or the podcast, depending on how you're listening. Um, I know sometimes knowing that someone out there feels a similar way can really help someone open up. And, you know, again, I do think that this topic is very, very important if you feel that you yourself or someone that you know does need to reach out to someone um, i did look up some websites and the cdc does have a section for mental health tools and resources Um, that is cdc.gov forward slash mental health forward slash tools dash resources the national institute for mental health also has a website um, that gives important information about the tools and resources. That is gov forward slash health forward slash find dash help. If you do need to call someone, a crisis text line actually is texting hello to 741741. A Veteran's Crisis Line is 1-800-273-8255. And Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. My name is Rhonda Franny Jefferson, and thank you so much for taking some time out to listen today. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. And I know that there's lots of podcasts out there, so I appreciate the opportunity to get to share my experiences with you. Um, And actually today we'll get to talk about one of those experiences that um, did make me say to myself, I want to start a podcast. Um, probably if you had told me two years ago, I would start one. I, you know, would not have believed it. But I, again, I know there's lots out there. So thank you for you know, listening to mine. And before I do start going into any part of the podcast, I do just always want to, um, you know, say that I am in no way a medical insurance or legal expert so if you do have any questions that fall into any of those areas please make sure that you're reaching out to someone in that field so i I apologize that it's taken an extra day to um, get this up for this week you know um, sometimes things happen i think they happen for a reason but on the same day both the app that we stream our tv through because we don't have any cable boxes we just stream through the app on our tvs Um, because it was like $50 to rent um, the boxes per month. And then also our internet started slowing down till it eventually stopped working. And so, you know, we schedule a visit, they come out, and, you know, first thing he does is go outside to check, um, you know, where the cable comes into the house. And he finds that there's been something that happened. And at that point, he doesn't know what but the actual cable from that box into the house was actually melted. So he said he was actually amazed that we had any internet, you know, how I said it started to slow down then stop. He's like, I don't know how it lasted at all. And, you know, during the conversation I mentioned the problem with the TV and he said, no, that shouldn't impact it. So I actually had two separate problems going on But they both started at the exact same time, pretty much. Um, If, you know, we hadn't called about the one, or if he had gone in maybe a different order, he may not have found that. Um, And I don't know what that would have done to the electric, because I think they were at the same box. And kind of to add to the disclaimers on this, I really am not well versed in electrics or anything like that, um, or electronics. So... From my understanding I'll say um, I think the electric and the cable went into the same box and you know we thought about it and the day before we started having issues there was a power surge so that's probably what happened but um, that did delay things for a couple of days. It also did make me reflect to you know um, as far as watching TV goes I really don't watch any scripted shows. Um, I'm not someone who's like, I really need to watch this now. And I've kind of gotten out of that, especially over the last few years. So it wasn't really bothering me that much. Um, I could read or I had things I could listen to. But, you know, it, it impacts not having the Internet impacts a number of different aspects of your life. And, you know, my kids needed to go to school virtually. You know, my husband likes to play some games. And you know, I, I felt at some points about complaining about that, but then I felt guilty because I know that there's, you know, people who don't have as quick access to that. Um, also the cable company was able to get someone out here within, um, probably about 36 hours or so of the problem starting. So that was amazing too. Um, you know, but still I, I, I guess as time goes by, and we, at least myself, you know, we get used to um, the quick responses of, you know, the internet, of our apps, our phones. When something comes in that delays it, we can sometimes get a little upset. Um, You know, when I first got out of college, everything was dial-up on computers, and if something loaded in less than 30 seconds, that was, you know, ideal. That was really fast. And now if it takes three or four seconds, I'm thinking, is there something wrong? You know, so it really made me reflect about even my reliance on, you know, the internet just in general. And since we do stream television um, and the kids have the virtual school, then it's something that's really, really important in our lives. And my, um, my topic for today was actually... social media and its impact on mental health during um, the pandemic. Now, overall, um, I was looking at things to be a little bit more positive in regards to that, but I actually found some interesting things um, once I started to do research and even reflect a little more myself. So I look back to this time last year, and it was like COVID-19 just hit our world at such a quick speed. Um, You know, myself, it just really seemed like one minute, you know, I was actually talking to my doctor. I was at an appointment as things were coming out about COVID-19, and it just seemed like in a minute, just things went out beyond our control. And so even more so for those who have some type of chronic illness or invisible illness, um, any other underlying medical condition, we already have to take steps each day to make sure that we can still live an active and full life, um, make sure we follow our medications and treatment plans, you know, get in contact with our doctors when we have to. And with me, I know I still had to take precautions against infection prior to COVID-19, But knowing how severe it was, we then had to, say, step up our game, maybe is a better way or is the best way to look at it. We really had to go above and beyond to make sure that we were taking every necessary precaution, not just for ourselves, for our families, and then making sure that if they came in contact with someone that had COVID that, you know, that there were precautions that we even had to take beyond the normal precautions we were taking. So it was just really very quick. And I know in my case too, um, my husband did come in, I will say maybe a third person contact to someone who had COVID. And, you know, for probably two weeks, we split the house up and we were just in different sections of the house. We didn't come into contact with each other. You know, this was pretty early on. So you know, we really didn't have any numbers or anything like that to say, okay, well, these are the chances of getting it. it. It was just really quick. And, you know, we had to learn to adjust and accommodate that, you know, and in my case too, um, looking forward to having the vaccine. Um, I have a number of different allergies, um, including some to other vaccines, So my doctor wants me to see an immunologist about whether or not I can even get the vaccine. And that's an appointment I have tomorrow. So, you know, just going from one year to the next, um, then it was day to day about how are we coping or going to cope. And now we look back and it's been a year. And in some ways it seems like it was the fastest year I've ever had. And in other ways it's gone by so slowly. So, um, as a way to cope over this past year, I know a lot of people have really turned to social media and, you know, I myself am guilty of probably using that, you a little too much at times. And I've had to recognize that that's not always the best. Um, I did speak with a therapist at the time. Um, my insurance would cover eight episodes, I'm sorry, eight appointments at the time. And, you know, at some point, um, I was stressed and I, I have anxiety anyway, um, as well as some OCD. So in speaking with her, she actually told me stay off social media. And, you know, I really felt like that would be more isolating to me if I didn't go on social media. I'm not overall a very... Um, overt person. I'm not one who, you know, goes out a lot. I have a very small, close circle of friends. But, you know, to stay off social media, I really felt like I would be missing out on seeing the bigger picture, uh, corresponding with those that I like to just on an occasional basis to, you know, catch up with. And, you know, I didn't initially want to get off social media. But at one point, I did, you know, stop for a little while and I even signed out, but then I went back in and I knew that I had to take steps too, to, you know, make myself feel better and not be so anxious when I was on social media. Um, Now, kind of the irony to this, if I'm using that word correctly, is when I started my research, I was actually looking at how um, social media would affect mental health, and I was thinking everything that I read would be positive. Um, even though not only did I have this experience I'm talking about with you, know, my, my um, therapist, where she thought I should go off social media, the um, really driving force to starting a podcast was social media. Um, if you've listened before, then you've probably heard a little bit about it, but I don't comment a lot on. Um, social media or websites, but, you know, with all the information about COVID-19 and a lot of people being on completely one side of um, the line saying COVID doesn't really exist or that COVID was, you know, um, just um, like a conspiracy theory. But then you had the other side that was really, you know, advocating for how important it was to you know practice social distancing wearing your mask taking every precaution we could now you know obviously I I think through what I've said just in the past few minutes I fell onto the side of taking every precaution but then I also did try to recognize that not everybody's in my exact position the way that they would look at something would have a whole different point of view so I tried to respect that in you know other, Comments, you know, realizing some people were scared for their jobs or may have already been laid off. And that's one of the biggest stressors in life. So when, you know, replying to comments, I always tried to be as respectful to others as I could. But this one person came back at me with um, some really hurtful things, but he did ask a question. When I answered his question, he actually came back with saying he wasn't going to sit there and read everything I wrote. He was just, you know, not going to abide basically by any precautions and that was his right and goodbye. And he ended it with, you know, my life was just not worth it. So that was more than a little hurtful, I'd say. And I got upset, emotional. Um, I cried and then I just wanted to direct my feelings into something a little more positive and that's why I started the podcast because I knew if someone was responding to a comment I made like that, and this is a friend of a friend, you know, even though I did everything I could to try to respect their point of view, I never, you know, questioned the reasons why they felt the way they did, I just kind of, you know, said my side of things that how important it was, you know, to make sure that my family was practicing every precaution that we could take. Um, I've mentioned before also, I did have a sister who passed away um, of an auto-inflammatory disease or the complications of, and you know she was the same age I am now, and I know how that affected her children, and they were much older than mine are now. So, you know, I'm fighting in every way that I can to make sure that I'm going to be here for my children. So again, that's my point of view. I know people have other points of view, and I will always, always try to be respectful of them. But to hear a response saying that my life was not worth it, you know, that was something I would never have expected. Um, Even though thinking back, some other experiences I probably should have. Um, I'm allergic to dogs and I mentioned that on one site one time and someone came back and said that if you have an allergy to dogs, that's God's way of saying that you don't belong on this earth. And so with that, I I probably should not have been surprised um, at any other negative comments, you know, and that one about the allergy to dogs, that was years ago. So probably during this pandemic it's gotten worse as far as what you know some people say but those are just some of the experiences that I've had so you would think that while I'm starting research about social media and mental health I would be thinking that okay there are some negative aspects but it really took me reading some articles to really reinforce that while there is good there are also bad and I think for most things in life, we can say that there's nothing that is entirely good or entirely bad. Most things have some flaws somewhere along the way. And I really don't think social media was made for people to feel bad or to make comments that hurt each other. You know, it was probably, in my opinion, created to, you know, keep people connected who lived, you know, a nation or even half a world apart you know if you had friends or family that lived in different parts of the world you, know, you could see pictures of family members as they grew up you nephews and nieces that you may not get to see except at holidays and you get to you know experience it, some of their joys and some of their accomplishments through the means of social media And you know, I mentioned a few moments ago that I really don't watch much scripted TV um, and some of that even goes back to some reactions um, or I guess what you would say controversial or polarizing events because a lot of scripted TV shows will you know take things from real life and bring it into an episode and I would become so emotionally invested in the characters on the show and You know, I would cry when they cried. I would hurt and be angry when they were hurt and angry. And it just really got to a point where I'm like, it's not worth it. I'm too invested in this. You know, I can watch documentaries and continue learning as compared to, you know, ending episodes literally crying. Um, Now, ironically, probably, you know, 15 years ago, I didn't cry that much at anything. I was exactly the complete opposite. Um, but since I had kids, um, I pretty much cry at the drop of a hat. Um, (laughs) maybe not quite that quickly, but pretty close. So, um, we need to do what we need to do when we're using social media, meaning we need to know our limits. We need to make sure that we're, you know, using social media in the way that best allows us to maintain a healthy physical, emotional, and mental balance. Because really, mental health does not get as much attention as it should in many cases. You know, it is considered an invisible illness, and so it should be. It should be you know, something that we can discuss um, going back to my physical illness I felt more comfortable explaining that to people after, you know, I went through my own adjustment of, you know, really understanding how it worked, how it affected my body. So, you know, I wanted people to understand why I could or could not do certain things. And I really wasn't embarrassed to speak about it. And again, I shouldn't be because it's something I can't control and I'm doing my very best to live with it. But I really didn't mention my anxiety or anything to a lot of people. Maybe if they opened up to me about some of their struggles, I might, but otherwise I didn't really open up about it. Um, I did later find out, um, you know, when I felt I needed to let someone know that I had anxiety, she was like, oh, no kidding. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Apparently there were some people who already realized that and I just didn't know it. Um, so, We really need to open up those conversations about mental health and recognize, you know, as I said in a previous episode, that mental, emotional, and physical health all go together. So we have to make sure that we're keeping, you know, um, keeping up with all aspects of our health. Um, So there were some studies that I found um, about, you know, mental health and social media and the way people are really looking at at it as the pandemic um, kind of moves forward. Um, For one thing, there is a lot more screen usage. What I did find is there were really three major um, ways that social media impacted us. And even though some of the articles that I read may have listed more more ways, they really went down to three specific ways. Um, and how it affected us negatively. Um, one was the fact that there is more screen usage overall. Um, so the second was, you know, an overload of information. And then the third was misinformation. So starting with the overuse of screen time, or I should say the increase in spe- um, screen time, I will start out with a positive because You know, I don't want to make it sound like there aren't that many positives. There definitely are. Um, To social media, there is a lot more usage by different people. Um, People who maybe a year and a half ago did not have any smart devices or didn't have a computer or internet. They may have invested in a device because they knew they really needed it to keep in contact with their family as well as, you know, a lot of doctor's appointments now being done online or through telehealth, that was a convenience for them and even necessary if they were more susceptible or at risk for COVID or even any type of infection. It enabled them to get the help that they needed without putting themselves at more risks. But on the downside, um, you know, like I said there are some different aspects and one that you know I felt was that it could take your attention away from those who you know really needed it around you those in real life. Um, I mean I have actually texted my husband in the same house and not during a time where you know we were separate in the house because he had come in contact um, with someone with COVID, I'm talking about we could both get up and go somewhere or you know go to the next room and we're texting. Um, I've actually put something on social media to him too because sometimes he's so focused on social media, he doesn't pay that much attention to anything else. So I've actually said something and tagged him in it on Facebook to try to get him to. You know, really recognize or understand my point of view on something. So, you know, I really find the episodes of where we're texting each other in the same house for no other reason other than it's there and we're not going to stop doing what we're currently doing. We're just going to text. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things you can miss out on if you're so focused on the social media. But something that I didn't, think about initially in regards to mental health was the effects of blue light. Um, I think probably a lot of us have heard the term, um, the effects of blue light or just blue light itself. And what I found is there is, um, it's called, um, from a website called Health Hardy and Hardy was spelled H-E-A-R-T-Y. Um, and just because I don't think I said this earlier, um, whatever sources I do use, I will put in the description of the podcast or video so that if you wanna learn more, you can go back and look at those. But natural blue light actually comes from the sun. And in the natural form, it's very beneficial to us. Um, But on the other hand, artificial blue light um, can actually work against things that are responsible and I'm going to take a create, um, sorry, a direct quote here from the article. Um, natural blue light is mostly responsible for regulating our sleep pattern, also known as our circadian rhythm. Additionally, it can have a profound effect on our mood, attention span, and reaction time. So that's what natural blue light does. But to continue, a quote, artificial sources of blue light include cell phones, computers, TVs, LED light bulbs, and tablets. Um, computers, tablets, cell phones, and TVs are wreaking havoc on our health. Undoubtedly, many of us are connected to one of these electronics for hours each day. The blue light effects due to overuse of these electronics can lead to blurry vision, difficulty focusing, headaches, neck and back pain. It can also lead to higher risk in cancer, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, and depression. Um, so, you know, that was a really a, you know, no pun intended, um, like eye opener, um, you know, cause it does affect our sleep as well. Um, where I didn't think that blue light would affect that. I didn't know it could affect my eyes and I tried to take precautions against that but did not realize how it could affect or lead to increased um, chances for cancer or heart disease, and notably um, regarding the topic today, depression. Part of this can be due to, um, you know, having an impact on our sleep. You know, if we're physically tired, we may not be able to react the best way emotionally. That can start to, you know, wreak havoc on our um, emotional and mental health, so you know, that's just on a very basic and physical level what spending a lot of time on computers and social media can do. And if you are working from home, odds are you are working from a computer for a good part of the day. And so you're already, you know, in contact with a lot of blue light from the, from the work. And then, you know, I know as well. You know, if you're working from home, you're, you have a much smaller or you know shorter commute. I would drive about 45 minutes each way. So that's an hour and a half that some people are getting back, you know, depending on your commute length where, okay, you didn't have to drive that distance if you are working from home um, during the pandemic. So you're spending more time doing other things. And some of that time may be spent on social media and also during lunch as well. Um, I know sometimes I would go to a different part of the building or walk around, um, for lunch. A lot of times I ate at my desk, but I wasn't on my um, phone where, you know, again, if you're at home, you might just grab something from the fridge, sit down and start, you know, looking at things on social media. So those are just some ways that the increased screen time can um, affect us. The second overall um, common thread that I found was um, stress due to an overload of information about the pandemic. Um, That really was spread through, I think, every article that I reviewed. When we're turning on the news each day, and I mean, let's face it, a lot of the news is already really, really negative to begin with. Um, there were things that before COVID I hated to read um, just because it felt like every time I opened, you know, a web browser, there was more bad news. And actually, just while I'm saying this, um, there was an old Anne Murray zo- song called I Sure Could Use a Little Good News Today. And this is probably three decades or more old. And even then, the song talked about how, you know, opening a newspaper, she would read stories about robbery and natural disasters, and, you know, she could just use some good news. Going on decades later, you know, I guess it's something we still all face, that whenever we open now our computer, our phone, as compared to a newspaper from then, we are encountered just by bad news and more bad news. Now, adding on top of that, COVID, which means, you know, initially we were looking at people losing their jobs, um, small businesses, especially going out of business, um, concern about food security, and then, you know, seeing the number of deaths that were reported each day and how those numbers went up and how many people ultimately died or were forever impacted by this illness. You know, we were seeing that in everything that we opened. So, you know, whether or not you had previously been treated for um, mental health reasons, you, know, you were now being faced with just, you know, bit after bit of sad news, news that could make us angry. And, you know, going back to 2020, it was more than just, you know, the pandemic there there is now currently a time of social need um you know and changes that are going on that need to be made and you know those being addressed they're very important and they need to be addressed and they've been pushed away for way too long you know we are responsible now for seeing you know injustices and trying to make sure that they don't happen again. So we were faced with you know, really a lot of introspection over this past year. Um then having an election that was really fraught with bitterness, you know, that added to it as well. So, you know, it's just been a very rough year. So being or seeing the numbers of people who have lost their jobs, seeing the number of people who have died. And in most cases, you know, I think most everybody, I know I can never say everybody, but I think most people have at least known someone who's passed away from COVID, whether it's an acquaintance or, you know, someone who's really, really close to you. I've lost three people that I know, Um, my sister worked with six people who passed away from it and, you know, for, for us to see that every day, you know, on the personal level, we are, you know, confronted with the fact that many of us know someone who's passed away and then seeing it repeated day after day in the news, you know, this is the death toll. It's almost like we're reliving it again at least in the way that I feel, it it just keeps bringing it up that when it's already difficult enough as it is, we are constantly seeing the numbers go up to a degree, I think it is necessary. Um, we need to know what's going on. We need to look at information and be able to you know make adjustments to our plans accordingly to know what you know potential dangers are. So we, I think, to be socially responsible, do need to look at the news. We need to, you know, understand what's going on in the world. But um, I did read something though that a very high percentage of people, and I'm just trying to find the number here. Um, oh, here it is: um, nearly one in six Americans use YouTube as their primary platform about news regarding COVID-19. And Facebook is the number one social media platform regarding it. Um, so, you know, one in six people are looking at YouTube and I know I'm on YouTube right now, but when you're looking for information from, you know, a place where possibly, you know, someone may, you know, even unintentionally be spreading Um, misinformation that adds to the overall impact of social media as well. Um, Plus I find it's very convenient. I watch a lot of documentaries on YouTube and, you know, it shows as some of my recommendations to watch some of these new shows. So um, I think it's our responsibility to keep up with the information that we need, but also be able to know when it's time to step back and say, okay, I have the information that I needed. I will now go, you know, spend some time with the family, you know, if you're, um, you know, able to. And then I kind of touched base on this. Now was misinformation, and the impacts that the misinformation can have on mental health. Um, other than being confusing, um, it can be very frustrating. Um, If you're getting information that is, you know, incorrect, but it's information that is very, very negative, then that increase your anxiety. Um, If you find out that that information was wrong, then you now have a distrust of, you know, different websites, different news sources. Um, Maybe it's good to have a healthy skepticism about everything you read or see, but I know if I read something and I find it to be very important, but then later find out that it was not accurate, you know, for me, that makes me very angry and not only for myself, but anybody else who may have read that and, you know, thought those things, um, it really leads to a level of mistrust that we really can't afford at this time. Right now we all need to really, you know, lean on each other for support. Um, now, along with the whole misinformation aspect, I can't really say trolls per se, but I guess maybe that's the only word used to describe, that I can use to describe them are trolls on the internet. But think about it. You know, if you're just typing something on Twitter or on Facebook or anywhere, Even if it's a comment on a news article, I've kind of wrapped that into social media as, you know, a lot of people do make comments. um, Even though some places have turned them off just because um, of the way people are commenting on those threads or posts. But, um, you know, looking at the way some people talk to each other in the comments, if you met them in real life, you wonder how they would react. Um, one of the articles that I read um, gave an example of, let's just say you're you always talking bad about a celebrity. You know, you comment how much you don't like them, this is why you don't like them, things like that, but by chance you happen to meet that person, a lot of people will then become their, their fan. You know, they're standing in front of them and asking for an autograph, where you know an hour ago they were on social media saying how much they hated the latest movie and things like that um to put that in perspective then it's you know then putting a comment on something knowing it's going to hurt an individual whether or not you can see that individual those words do have meaning i know that some people might think well they're just words you know how much can they really hurt They can, especially at a time where we are reliant on more um, electronic communications and not so much, you know, being face-to-face in some things. So, yes, words can hurt. And, you know, having the situation we've had this past year where most of our communication is coming through a computer um, or smart device, that can really have an impact in how we feel about each other. So looking at some of the ways that we can try to get past the negative aspects of social media, because I still feel that social media can be very impactful in a positive way, but in order to make sure that social media um, is being used to the best of its ability, we have to find ways to either get rid of or mitigate the negative aspects so that we can get past them and focus more on the positive. So um, these are just some suggestions compiled from a few different sources. And yes, some of the sources that I used today were um, in regards to those who have chronic illness. Um, I learned a new word. It was called painsomnia. And I'm like, yes, there are nights that I can't sleep because I'm in pain. And if I start to roll over, that just increases my pain and things like that. So I, I learned a new word in that. Um, so I think it was really good to be able to find something that was specifically talking about those with chronic illnesses. So just some ideas. Um, make sure that you're being responsible. Um, and I kind of mentioned this in some ways earlier. You know, be responsible for you. Make sure that. You're only using it for what you need to use it for. Um, I know that in general, my friends and how they use it range from all I see are pictures of cute little puppies and kittens to using it as a political platform. So I have that whole range and I think most people do. So, you know, go on, find out what you need to communicate with those who you really want to and then take a step back. So it's not picking up the phone and spending three hours on your phone or tablet, whatever device you're using, and you're spending that time away from your family while at the same time becoming more and more frustrated by what you're seeing. Um, and also prioritizing sleep. Um, this is where um, I learned the word painsomnia. Um, and this was from an article from a website called Creaky Joints. So... Um, I can definitely understand that. You know, sleep is important because just as our body needs to rest, our brain needs to rest. It just kind of lets us relax. It clears out our thoughts. And if you don't get enough sleep, then both your body and your mind are affected. affected. So, you know, make sure that you're taking care of that. And also, you know, for so many years, most of us had certain routines. And those routines have been disrupted by... COVID 19, you know, don't add something more to it by, you know, not prioritizing the amount of sleep that you get. Um, I know that one particular aspect um, that the article from Creaky Joints emphasized was also that, you know, um, part of the pandemic went through our holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And, you know, we did not, in most cases, get to spend those holidays with our families and loved ones. Um, but in some ways, and I can definitely understand this, that some people with chronic illness actually found that it was beneficial, at least for this year. Um, it made it easier to be able to get a little bit more rest during the holidays. I know that myself, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. Um you know, just all these commitments you have to make. But, you know, sometimes with chronic illness, there's so many things that may come up um, during a gathering or during the holiday season that it's really hard to juggle everything. And, you know, sometimes we would need to make it, you know, an excuse to not be able to attend something, you know, whether it's just being physically tired because of your illness or knowing that, you know, going to a gathering might trigger something. Um, I know that with an auto inflammatory disease, there are foods that can actually lead to more inflammation. So you're trying to stay away from them. You go to a holiday party and they're there. You know, so there's a lot going on with that. Um, so I just found that kind of interesting in the Creaky Joints article that went along with the pain I read about. Um, but also, um, one of the things, to to try to help us with getting through um, the pandemic on social media is don't expect others to read our minds, um, you know, whether you're communicating with someone directly or you're communicating with your family, make sure that you set expectations of what you need, um, especially, you know, with the chronic illness. let And this goes for, I think, everyday life, not just, you know, until the end of COVID-19, there are people who want to help us and be there for us, but they don't necessarily know what we need. So you know, make sure you're very clear. Um, also, I know that we have to isolate to a certain degree, but don't isolate completely. Don't take it to the other direction where you're having no contact with anyone. Try to keep some type of, you know, communication open with people, even if you're not able to see them in person. Um, Something I added in is with everything, have moderation. So don't go from one extreme to another. Try if you can to schedule some type of social time. And I admit I'm guilty of this for a lot of the quarantine, the isolation. Each person in my family and the house has kind of commandeered their own little section. And, you know, we come together for dinner and we sit at the table And it does feel like everybody's just ready to say, okay, can we go now? Because they want to go take care of something else. And, you know, I admit I'm there too. Usually mine, I'm looking at it like I need to, you know, do the dishes. I need to put this away. Um, Everybody is looking at a way to get away from each other. And I think that's because we've almost, you know, come to a point where we haven't socialized with other people for so long. We're starting to isolate even from ourselves. Um, let's see. Now, some of these things I've already gone through. Um, you know, about for one thing, understanding that even without COVID nineteen, that those with chronic illness, um, invisible illness, we already have things that we have to go through every day. So that COVID has added another layer. Um, also make sure if you do have any type of gathering or if you are, um, you know, in a social situation, try to bring up the courage to actually address it. If some people aren't social distancing or wearing a mask, um, you know, I've run into those occasions and I felt kind of awkward about addressing it with someone who worked at the store, but. You know, people were basically flaunting the rules and had their masks down and, you know, the masks weren't really doing anything if they weren't wearing them. So, you know, make sure that your voice is heard regarding those types of things. Um, Set maybe a time limit or, you know, a certain number of articles that you might read per day through social media. Um, If you need to go online for things such as work or, you know, other types of research, you know, go ahead and use it for that, but then any other time that you're spending online, other than what's necessary, you know, try to limit that time so that you're not you know, being inundated or flooded with you know, all these pieces of information. And um, I know, too, that might require some willpower. Again, kind of going back to our family here. You know, we have been quasi isolated for over a year now and I think we've all just kind of come into little habits. Um, And, you know, we just need to get back on track and, you know, be able to say, I'm stepping away so that we can spend more family time together. Um, Something that I find is important is getting involved in um, support groups online. I know that if there weren't support groups on Facebook, I would have like nobody really to talk to about my illness. To my knowledge, I think there might be one other person in my state who has it. I'm not entirely sure. I know that for my main core group of doctors, most of them have said they've never had a patient with my illness before. Um, So without social media support groups, you know, I really wouldn't have anyone to reach out to, to say, hey, is this normal? You know, especially at the very beginning, or, you know, I'm really feeling frustrated because this happened today, you know, they know how I'm feeling. So, you know, if you need to, make sure that you're going to support groups that, you know, are there to show understanding, to show that there is someone out there who, even though may not be in the exact same situation can both lend an ear and then you know show some understanding and empathy to what you're going through because you know they've probably been through something similar um something too again i i can relate definitely is we can use other forms of communication other than text or social media and probably most of my communication with most family members, um, since, you know, this has all started, has been text, um, or Facebook messenger or things like that. Um, I probably can't remember the, yeah, I can't remember the last time I picked up a phone to call someone other than out of necessity. Um, Even when it comes down to customer service for certain things, I will use the chat feature. If there's an email feature because they don't have chat, I will use that. You know, I just prefer not to make phone calls unless we get to a point where it's absolutely necessary. Um, Before the pandemic, my family did the same thing, I feel. You know, we did a lot of group text, a lot of sharing on um, Facebook Messenger. But the difference was we still had gatherings where we came together and talked and saw each other face to face. So now pretty much our communications have been limited to a lot of, you know, messages, whatever form they may take, but not actual communication where we can hear our, hear their voices or see them. Um, and, you know, all throughout this, I would say at times, you know, we really need to you know, do a group chat or something like that um, with a video. And I think only one time have I actually done that with one of my siblings. Um, something I have done, though, is turned off a lot of the settings, um, notification settings on my phone. You know, Before, I used to be notified every time I got an email, every time there was an update to Facebook, every time anything happened pretty much. I got a notification and so it was really, really annoying to say the least. Um, And without it really being about stepping away from social media, I just knew that I was getting overwhelmed with just being notified about every little thing. So I went in, found the things that I really thought were important and kept them on and turned everything off so that i checked check my email once or twice a day. I've sometimes gone a couple days without checking it which is a little difficult but usually after I get past the first day you know it's it's fine I don't even think about it until you know maybe near the end of the day and I say okay well just let me make sure I haven't missed anything really important so I I find that when I do things like that either sign out of an app too because um, I've done that a couple times you know once you get used to it you don't really think about it as much and you don't get as distracted about things that are beyond your control. So that was you know, really everything that I wanted to go over today, or really I should say could go over today. Um, again, I really do want to look at the positives of social media, but again, I know that if we don't get past the negative aspects we can't really enjoy the positive parts. So if we just keep focusing each time we go online and open up a tab or open up a window, and we see these news stories that you know are very very difficult to hear or read about, we have to have some way that we can mitigate that, where we can lessen its impact on us emotionally and mentally, um, because again, all of that will affect us then physically. So, make sure that we're being responsible in our social media use. Um, Be respectful in comments because, again, not everybody's situation is exactly the same. And the way a person responds to or communicates really is, you know, based on what they're feeling and what they're going through or have been through. So, you know, we really have to recognize that too. Um, And even if someone is being more negative, I, you know, as long as they're not being belligerent, I do also look at it as an instance where we can try to educate someone about, you know, how it feels to be on the other side of things. Um, I know that not everybody would be receptive to that. Um, you know, I can even say on a couple different pieces of, um, you know, comments that I've seen that, yeah, they were not going to be receptive to anything that anyone had to say because their minds were made up. But, I really think being respectful helps as far as being able to communicate with others. If we show respect and let someone else know that we're thinking about and looking at their side of things, I think they will be much more open about hearing our side of things. So be responsible in social media um, I've said before about other things. Know where to fight your battles. Um, um, even today, um, I haven't made a comment online about you know any any post other than maybe you know a picture of my niece or something like that. But I found myself wanting to comment twice today, and one was really just it was information. It was fact based. Um, someone just had a question about an article. And I had seen the information in another article about the same thing. So it was just an answer. There really is nothing to be controversial about that. The next one was, you know, something that could be um, considered a controversial answer. But again, I said it with as much respect as I could. And then I went to leave a third comment on something else. And that's when I stepped back. I'm like, it was like one o'clock and I usually don't you know, make that many comments. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) It's like, you know, it's funny that this is happening today, but I'm like, I'm not going to spend, you know, another minute typing up this comment. What I do find though, is that sometimes if I start to write something out or, you know, talk about it, it helps me. So sometimes if I read an article about something that's negative, I will go in and just start typing on whatever I have up, Google Docs, WordPad, just... To kind of get it out of my system and I sometimes wonder if that's what comments do if people type them without always taking a step back and reading them to see how it might impact someone else or to look back and say why am I reacting this way to something you know I find that if I take a step back once I've typed it out I've gotten all my feelings out I have a better idea of why I felt that way and I can just delete that, you know, wipe it out and, you know, it, it really helps me as far as getting out my feelings, but at the same time, you know, if I'm not comfortable commenting, I don't have to comment. So I will try to cut this ending short. I'm very, very sorry. This took much longer than I thought, but, um, I think it was either the last podcast or the one prior to that. I mentioned that I really thought the mental health aspect was something that was very important and I wanted to give it the, the attention it deserved. So, you know, I didn't want to cut off in the middle of the recording and say that we were going to come back on another day. So thank you for hanging in there. Um, I really appreciate again, you know, everyone who's listening, taking the time to listen and let me share my feelings, my experiences just to share something too. We um, recently hit over 300 downloads for the podcast, which um, I can't see specifics on things, but I've even had a couple from Austria, um, you know, some other countries in Europe um, that it's really amazing. So, you know, I just hope again that everybody can get something positive positive out of the podcast or video, depending on how you're, you're listening. Um, and if you have a chance, you know, go back in and either like the video or not, if you didn't, or, um, share the episode, make a comment. I'm not sure exactly how all the algorithms work, but that makes, I know they have more shares or more likes, more comments, things like that um, will make it easier for people to find when they're searching for it. So, you know, if you enjoy, you know, the podcast or you're getting something out of it and you think someone else would like to listen, just please feel free to share. And thank you again for hanging with me throughout this whole podcast. All right. You have a good day and I hope to see you next week.